0: Welcome to Procopio Perspectives, a podcast featuring award-winning corporate and litigation attorneys providing useful legal insights on the latest
1: issues of the day. Now, here's your host. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Procopio Podcast Network. My name is Miku Meda, and I'm a Procopio partner in the Silicon Valley office. I'm here with Bob Sloss, who is also a partner in the Silicon Valley office, who handles all the patent litigation matters. Today, we are here to talk a little bit about what's going on with patent troll litigation. We're gonna talk about some of the trends and the reasons as to what's going on. The topic doesn't require much introduction, so let's go ahead and dive right in. So Bob, what is the current pattern of NPE activity? Are we still trending down like we've seen over the last few years, or has something turned around? Could you talk a little bit about what's going on in terms of the trends?
0: Thank you, Miku. I would be happy to. Reversing a several-year trend, actually, we saw last year that filings of new patent cases are up. Last year, in 2019, they were flat compared to 2018, and this year, in 2020, they are definitely going up. Much of this increase is driven by patent NPEs. With respect to high-tech industries, we're seeing that 85% of new patent cases have been filed by NPEs, and by high-tech industries, I mean, things like telecom, semiconductors, and the like. As I indicated, this change started even before the situation with COVID-19 arose, and it seems to have accelerated since.
1: Wow, so it seems to be turning around. I remember that in the past, the Eastern District of Texas was very popular for these suits. Is there any change in the venue? Are there any new hot venues?
0: Yes, there are. And actually, again, this is something that started several years ago. When the Supreme Court decided the T.C. Heartland case in 2017, new filings moved away from Texas because it was harder for companies to establish venue in the Eastern District of Texas. Since then, Delaware has been the number one venue. There's a new hot venue though, again in Texas, this time in the Western District of Texas, which covers primarily Austin and Waco. There are a lot of technology companies in Austin, so it's easier for patent NPEs to establish venue there. There's a new judge, he's been on the bench for about two years, who's in the Western District of Texas in the Waco division. His name is Alan Albright, and he used to be a patent litigator before he became a judge. He has said quite openly that he welcomes the filing of new patent cases, and NPEs, many of them, have accepted the judge's invitation. The numbers reflect that. So far, 158 new patent cases have been filed in the Western District of Texas. 128 of those, or about 81%, have been filed by NPEs. So they have definitely accepted uh, Judge Albright's invitation to file cases down there. We expect to see those numbers continue to grow throughout the rest of the year so that we will see something along the order of 600 patent cases in the Western District of Texas, and 480 of those will be filed by NPEs, more or less.
1: Oh, wow. wow that's, a, that's a big change. Uh, what about the uh, nature of the defendants? Could you tell us a little bit about the composition of the defendants themselves? Well,
0: many of the defendants are the ones that have been sued by NPEs for many years. Apple, Google, uh, some of the telecom companies. But we're also seeing a higher percentage of defendants this year uh, than in the past that are non-U.S. companies.
1: Are particular regions being targeted? Is it, for example, Europe, Asia Pacific, Latin America? Are there specific uh, regions or areas?
0: Well, definitely, we're seeing companies from Europe being sued, mostly from the UK and Germany. We're seeing companies from Canada being sued. But more than any other region, suits are being filed against companies based in Asia. Not surprisingly, more cases seem to be filed against Chinese companies uh, than other companies from other parts of Asia. But Japan, Taiwan, and to a lesser extent, Korea and India are also seeing a large number of suits filed against their companies.
1: So it seems it's become more of a uh, global course for defendants. Let's shift a little bit and talk about the impact of COVID. Are the courts now open in terms of lawsuits being filed, cases being processed, proceedings and hearings and trials going at the normal speed, or is there any delay or deferral? Since the beginning
0: of the COVID-19 situation, federal courts have remained open. So I think we're seeing pretty much business as usual in the courts. In the early days of of the virus, there was a little bit of a slowdown as courts tried to get a handle on what all this meant and what they could and could not do. But they have been accepting new filings and conducting business pretty much as normal ever since. Now, of course, Nobody can go into courtrooms, at least in most jurisdictions yet. So everything is being done by telephone or video conference, Zoom and the like. But other than that change, the courts are definitely open for business, at least the federal courts are. Cases are moving along. Judges are hearing motions. They're conducting plan construction hearings. They're deciding to summary judgment motions. The one thing that's really been affected, and, and I think will be affected for a long time are the ability of courts to hold trials a very small number of trials uh, without juries have been conducted by judges this is being done by video and from what we're hearing it, they're going fairly well but i think in terms of jury trials and remember most npe's ask for jury trials because they think they can get bigger verdicts that way if the case goes to trial but we will not likely see any jury trials well into 2021, I'm guessing. The courts are still very much unclear on how they can do jury trials um, and let people into the courtrooms sitting close to each other. All of that that you normally have in a jury trial, I think we're a long way from any of that happening.
1: So what do you feel might be responsible for this increase in filings? We have COVID, we have a current economic situation. Are there certain root causes or reasons that you can identify as to why the filings are increasing this way?
0: I could think of a couple, and I'm sure there are many others. But what I'm seeing from the new filings is, first, a lot of these, I think, are driven by lawyers uh, whose business model depends on volume filing. The, the way this model works is the lawyer fi- files hundreds of suits against many different defendants involving many different patents, many different NPEs, and they try to settle as many cases as they can quickly for usually very modest payments. And if you do it over and over again, the modest payments can add up to a, a very profitable business. I think that's one thing. And as an example, there's one lawyer who has filed, I think, close to 900 lawsuits in less than two years. And the, this lawyer and many others like him do not have the number of People working for them to to actually litigate most of these cases. So it's all about getting the lawsuit on file and getting a quick settlement. I also think what's contributing to that are some of the business realities we're seeing now as a result of COVID-19, the economic slowdown, the fact that many companies are struggling. So I think you know NPE lawyers recognize that companies are less likely to fight patent lawsuits these days because they need to conserve their money for other purposes. And therefore, may be more agreeable to quick settlements, which, as I said before, is really what the business model of the NPE lawyers is based on. Also, skewing the numbers somewhat is the fact that operating companies consider patent litigation these days to be a much lower priority because they have other things they need to be doing for their business and are not filing new lawsuits. So the percentage of cases filed by NPEs is going much higher.
1: What about the basis for the lawsuits in terms of the patents. Where are these portfolios coming from? Are they uh, existing portfolios that these companies have owned or are they acquiring new ones? Is there an acquisition strategy going on? What is the source of the patents in these suits?
0: Well, I think it's both uh, using their existing portfolios and acquiring new portfolios. Certainly, many of the patents being asserted by NPEs, certainly in the early stages of the COVID-19 situation, were owned by the NPEs before we entered into the COVID-19 world. But I also am seeing that NPEs are acquiring new patents. The owners of patents are selling some of their patents because they need the money to raise capital. You have smaller companies that are struggling and going out of business Their patents are being sold off. Universities are also, you know, they're trying to raise money without being able to have a full student body present. So they're selling patents. So I think the market is seeing a flood of new patents and the NPEs are the ones buying many of them.
1: So let's say I'm a manufacturer or a seller of products or services, uh, or maybe I represent a manufacturer or a seller. I receive or my client receives a warning letter what should I do when we get this letter under the new model of what's going on here?
0: Well, first, if it's an MPE, more often than not, the company will not get a warning letter. Uh, NPEs do not usually send letters. They just file lawsuits. So the company may not actually learn about a claim of infringement until it receives the lawsuit from the NPE. Once the uh, company has the lawsuit, though, there are... A few things that they can do to try to get out of the litigation quickly and without having to spend a lot of money. I think the first thing is companies should aggressively negotiate to get the NPE uh, to a very low settlement number. Yeah, I've seen cases where a company will be able to get out for $5,000, $10,000, something like that. And it's not unusual. I mean, I think if you're the company... If you can get the number down to twenty to $30,000, it would be hard not to settle. It's very hard for a company to do anything in litigation for less than twenty dollars or $30,000. So the economics would be get the number down that low and then just pay to have the case go away, as tasteful as that may be. Rico, can I ask you a question? Yep. What kinds of things can a company do to reduce the exposure or the demand that a NPE is looking at?
1: So, well, I think the first thing I would suggest to do is to take a look at the actual products and see how strong the case of infringement might be, build some strong non-infringement arguments, look through the, the, the file wrapper and other intrinsic evidence as we usually do. Consider if it's a strong case and the claims cover a core technology or product, consider the possibility of design around and also consider the possibility of validity as a second option. Validity can be less of a tool because NPEs are less likely to care about validity because it is a bit harder and more expensive for some accused infringers to prove. However, The option of IPR and PGR is always on the table. Uh, Another way to do this is to show the reduced exposure to damages. For example, run a potential damages calculation and show how low it would be, or perhaps even that the product is not currently sold or discontinued in a manner that the NPE may not have been aware of and convey to them that it may not be worth it to continue to pursue. So, well... What if there's attempts to made to show non-infringement or invalidity or low damages and those kinds of things don't work in that case, what should we do?
0: Well, if, if the company cannot negotiate a low settlement, at least in the beginning, there are a couple of things that uh, they can do to, to try to force the settlement number down or even make the case go away. And these are based on the fact that, as I said before, The NPE's lawyer does not want to have to spend money on a case. They want to file the lawsuit, get a settlement, and get out. So if you force them to spend money prosecuting their case or defending a motion, then you may get them to go away. So in many cases, we take a look and see whether there's a possible motion to dismiss or transfer the case to a different venue. These days, motions to dismiss on Section 101 issues may be effective. While courts are not always willing to look at such motions. Some courts require the motion to be filed later in the case. There are some courts that have shown a willingness to dismiss cases based on section 101 arguments. So if you can bring a motion early on in one of those courts, you may have some good success in getting the case dismissed. Even if you're not successful in getting the case dismissed, it will force the troll's lawyer to spend money, which is not what they want to do. So they may come to you with a lower settlement at that point.
1: One thing that you had mentioned was a large number of lawsuits. That might mean that a company or a client might be sued or the subject of a warning letter, and there may be other companies in a similar position. Is there an opportunity to collaborate together with other accused parties on the same patent or technologies?
0: Absolutely. Since it's not unusual for an NPE to file suits against many companies at the same time or close to the same time, there are great opportunities for companies to join together to pool their resources to fight some of these troll cases. One great way to do that is for companies to join together to file one or more IPR petitions or PGR petitions, which you mentioned a few minutes ago. This way you can share the cost. And although uh, IPRs are not as inexpensive as we once thought, if you spread the cost among several different companies, it's a very affordable way to attack the patents and get the NPE to back down or come up with a lower settlement number. So we definitely recommend looking at opportunities to do that. So with all this, if you could tell a company to do three things now, before they get the letter, before the lawsuit is filed, to prepare and reduce their risk of exposure, what would you tell them?
1: Well, uh, I would tell a company, looking at the big picture, to First of all, in the early design phase for a product, do your diligence at the start. Conduct a landscape analysis, consider freedom of action, and if necessary, do design around or diligence on IP that's discovered in that phase as being a potential risk. I would say that throughout the process, have a robust IP portfolio strategy where you have innovations, consider Invention intake, consider whether you want to patent or hold them as a trade secret, but have a robust strategy with respect to your IP portfolio. And then as a company's product enters the market, they should continue the process of benchmarking periodically and being aware of the IP activities of others and also have a management strategy so that in the event that you're sued, or you receive a letter, you have a plan of action, and perhaps consider if you feel like you're in a high risk industry or your product is potentially high risk, an NPE monitoring program or the like. So that's what I would say if I could tell a company three things to do that would help prepare and reduce risk exposure before something happens. So that's my idea. And I wonder if you might have any further thoughts or comments.
0: Well, I just, I have one thing to add to to those. Those are all great ideas. One thing I would add is if a company is actually selling some of its own patents, make sure that the sale agreement provides that the company you're selling to or anyone else who may acquire the patents will not be able to come back and sue the company or its affiliates or subsidiaries, parents, anything like that, so that you're insulated from being sued by your own patents, which oddly enough, happens occasionally. And I think with that, we are ready to wrap up. I want to thank everybody for listening. Miku and I both hope that you found our discussion interesting and helpful. If you have questions, please feel free to contact either Miku or me. Our email addresses are available on the Procopio website. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed this Procopio Perspectives podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and visit Procopio.com to learn more about Procopio. Thank you for listening.